evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,100 miles south-southeast of me, is Mr. Kip Fisher, and we are coming to you live for the 111th time. That is a lot of ones on this 24th day of April, 2015. Kip, my friend, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. Is that non-hillbilly enough for you? <laughs> that yeah, that's that's decidedly Yankee of you. <laughs> yeah, it's been that kind of day. Uh, oh, you mean intelligent and intellectual, and you know? No, I mean human stuck in your phone kind of day. <laughs> I had uh, I I didn't have a bad day. I had a day that was brightened, nevertheless, by getting that text from you. Cigar <laughs> world problems hashtag. My day was brightened too, in the form of my eyes being dilated for about six hours. Mm. Well, I've only had that done once, and it didn't really bother me. I don't know if uh, if it's one of those things like the first time you drink, you don't really get drunk. First time you get uh, your eyes dilated, it doesn't really bother you. I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't get that sensitive to light. It just puts everything can't read up close. Worse than normal. I'm not over fifty, so I don't. Ha- well, I guess I'm. I should say I'm not over forty. Otherwise, the joke doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I am. I feel like I'm well in- over fifty. <laughs> I'm dipping into the. Uh, um, I don't know what sort of vile term can I call this Appleton. <laughs> uh, paint thinner. I'm dipping into paint thinner again this evening. A little Appleton Twelve. I don't know why I do this to myself, but I just enjoy cigars so much more with a couple fingers of rum. <laughs> Even if it's rum you call paint thinner? <laughs> I was looking for turpentine, but I couldn't think of it at the moment. <laughs> uh, that's all right. I just <laughs> I tried drinking it. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. Um, so I made, you know that I've been rolling sushi a little bit recently too, right? I've mentioned mm-hmm. that to you. I know yeah. I've put it on our forum. Um, so last time I made sushi, I made sticky rice, which is basically uh, sushi rice or some sort of uh, short grain rice. And uh, you put coconut milk in it. Um, so coconut milk, a little bit of sugar, I think. And then like cut up mango and cut up bananas. Um, and we always have like a really starchy red banana, which was just perfect in this. And so I'm like, oh, man, this sweetness, rich kind of Caribbean flavor would just be perfect. I'm going to put a little rum in here, see how that see how that is, you know, if it enhances it. And I put some of this Appleton in there. I couldn't eat the crap. Mm. I mean, it just, oh, it just was ruined. Oh, man, it was just so bad. I But yet I pour myself another glass tonight, so I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, while you're on the topic of coconut milk, next time you got coconut milk laying around, just dip some pineapple slices in them and put on a little uh, cinnamon sugar and throw them on the grill, and you won't regret it. Really? Yeah, just long enough to kind of caramelize that sugar. It's delicious. The coconut milk doesn't drip off completely? Mm-mm. You just need it to kind of help the cinnamon sugar stick. Hmm. Well, I've grilled pineapple a time or two, but never with coconut. Well, the coconut milk is not going to give it much flavor. It's just going to kind of help that sugar stay better. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That I can do. Mm. 
Hey, so since we, you mentioned, uh, the, the, let me jump in just for a second. I feel like I'm sitting in the dark. Okay. No. Since you mentioned the forum, let's throw an announcement on the front end of this show because we always do it in the last couple of minutes, and I would say the majority of folks tune out for our sign-off. <laughs> so this is a plug for the forum, uh, just an invite for folks to come and join us over there. We got a, I don't know, a couple, few dozen regular posters and hundred or so uh, folks that use it ever, but uh, just consider this an invite to come and join us, hang out, have some fun, learn a little bit, teach a little bit. Yeah, and uh, more recently, listen to me get torched by Jay Ledoux about my ideas of trying to objectify cigar tasting. <laughs> or make it more objective. I guess I shouldn't say objectify. No, it's uh, it's just a damn good place. It's where I start my morning just about every day. And I uh, love doing so because we got some good guys and we often have some good conversations. So, uh well, I shouldn't say often have good conversation. That implies that there are times we don't, but eh, you know what I mean. Check it out, halfash.com, and uh, click the on the header at the top. Click forum, and, and you'll be right there. We'd love to see you. Yep, and we are Tapatop friendly. Yeah, sure. Mostly. So, my friend, we, uh, we're 10 minutes in or whatever it's been. We haven't uh, mentioned what we're smoking tonight. Well, that's par for the course for the way we do things. Yeah, yeah. We, well, are, we make the rules, so that's okay. That's true. We do make the rules, and typically there are no rules. <laughs> but we are smoking, for those of you on the video, if I can make this focus a little bit, the J.D. Howard Reserve Single Action from Crowned Heads, which is uh, one of the many of this year. This one was, of course, an extension to the J.D. Howard line. Um, it, it's a what is six by thirty-eight Petit Lancero was produced. In about twenty thousand of them were produced. Two thousand boxes of ten um, MSRP nine bucks and a quarter ish, depending on your local market and taxes. And there's plenty of them still out there uh, for those of you interested in picking them up. I still see these on, uh, on the shelves here and there. Has a Brazilian Arapiraca wrapper over an Ecuador Sumatran binder and Nicaraguan fillers. And much like the normal J.D. Howard line, is produced by E.P. Carrillo down in the Dominican Republic. And the name of this, the single action, actually kind of carries with the theme of this whole line. Uh, the, the Colt single action was Jesse James' weapon of choice. And uh, the, this whole line even takes its name from an alias he used for some period of time when he was around Nashville. Uh, so when this, this crowned heads likes to do this thematic thing with their lines and have a lot of symbolism and whatnot. And that's, that's what this line was built around. So I have just finished one of these and I'm going to like this one. Well, I uh, am probably a third of the way through one of these and uh, am running through and developing some awesome tasting notes, minor tasting notes and some opinions, uh, most certainly. So I actually just posted something in the chat room asking, uh, how anyone who had had this as well as some of the standard JD Howard's thinks that they compare. So I'll be interested to hear what the chat thinks. And, uh, my thoughts on this are that right off the bat, I get kind of a lovely brown sugary sweetness and it's really kind of accompanied by a, a, a crispness that I would not have attributed to the Araparaca wrapper. 
I would have thought that perhaps it was a broadleaf if I didn't know any better. Um, it's some of those nice darker flavors uh, that I kind of attribute to um, blends that tend to line up well with a broadleaf, specifically a, a um, Connecticut broadleaf, but the crispness that I get out of the Pennsylvania broadleaf that I enjoy so much. Um, now, since it's not a broadleaf, I'm uh, just bringing this up to demonstrate my own idiocy, uh, which I'm very good at doing. But uh, besides that, it's it's just a, a flavor that I thought was worthy, or a series of flavors that I thought were worthy of discussing because they are unexpected to me. Yeah, and that sweetness you're mentioning is... Um... I've had a few of these now, and it's it seems to be. I don't mean the overall the cigar is inconsistent, but that the presence of that flavor maybe it's not. It hasn't been, at least not dominant in in all of the, these that I've smoked. On a very slow retro hail, without question, um, that sweetness is reminiscent of caramel. Um, I like that actually. I that might be a way that I. Uh, that I prefer to smoke this cigar. I might just take ridiculously long uh, retro hells and try to try to go dark here for 10 seconds while I'm tasting this. I was actually anxious to see what your thoughts were when we smoked these, because I know you're not always the biggest fan of this wrapper and this being a, a smaller ring, that wrapper is going to have maybe a little more impact than normal. So I was anxious to see what you thought. Well, the, the impact on it, uh, it's probably biggest for me uh, from an educational standpoint. It's just I, I came in with a preconceived notion, and it is not what I expected it to be. That can be good or bad. In this case, it's good because I usually am not a fan of it. But there's a couple cigars, so I like the Intemperance a lot, the, the BA-23 or whatever the heck it is from Skip Martin. And uh, this one's performing well. Cool. Yeah, very nice. Uh, the one thing I'll uh, I'll add to your introduction about the cigars that this is uh, a, a typical Laguito number two Vitola. So this is one of the traditional Cohiba Vitolas, especially with the little pigtail, um, uh, thirty-eight by six. It's a little bit shorter than a traditional Cuban Lancero, and um, uh, is probably one of my favorite sizes. Lanceros at times can be uh, a little bit longer than what I tend to want to devote to a smoke, but these you lop off an inch-ish and uh, it saves you a good half hour, so it's awful nice. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Shall I refer to you as Silver Fox this evening, by the way? No. (laughs) For those of you just on the This thing's going next week. (laughs) For those of you just on the audio, Kip is apparently sitting under a spotlight, which, as I said earlier, he has uh, uh, salt and pepper colored hair, and the vast majority of it is salty, not peppery. So, looking a little old these days. Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. You want to know what the best thing is? I'm always going to be 10 years younger than you, (laughs) no No matter how old we get (laughs) Now I'm going to kick off this planet one of these days, and then you're going to get 10 years older. And then can... <laughs> yeah, but I'll have 20 years to prepare for being 10 years older than you. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. Well, you know what tonight is, my man? What's that? 
Tonight is a damn good night. We got a fantastic cigar, some good news stories, uh, a follow-up on a story uh, that I was rather opinionated on back from November. And uh, finally, we also have a controversy controversy provoking easy for me to say listener email that should make for some fun conversation so stick yeah. around man it's gonna I be a probably, great night probably should have read through that email for showtime i guess <laughs> i participated in reading writing or responding to that email and i still feel like i should have read through it there's a lot in it <laughs> so but we'll get to it and it'll be a fun topic cool i like it mm-hmm you want to kick us off with some cool news from Luis Sanchez today? Yeah, I uh, I got a picture of this from Luis several weeks ago, and so I sent him a message asking about it, and he sent me some more information about a new line he's got coming down the pike, and actually it's, it's an imminent release. It'll be uh, available to retailers in the next couple of weeks. It's called the Figurado Series, and it's called the Series, although for the time being there's only one Vitola. Uh, it's a 5x54 Chulo. Uh, it will be available in two different wrappers. Uh, the natural version will just have an Ecuadorian wrapper and a Mexican San Andres Maduro version. And the fillers on this cigar are actually going to be some from some of their own production, their own growth on their Dom USA farming operation down in Villa Gonzalez in the Dominican Republic. Uh, a place I'm quite familiar with and will be spending a great deal of time in the days to come. Considering uh, you're practically moving there. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving to Santiago and we'll be working in Villa Gonzalez. So I'll be right down the road within a half mile or so, actually, of where their farms are at. Hmm. But, uh, should be stateside in the next couple of weeks and available if you have a La Tradición Cubana retailer somewhere in your neighborhood. You know, we uh, we talk about Luis Sanchez and Terry Johnson, T.L. Johnson cigars, um, um, the whole Cuban tradition cigar group on a pretty regular basis. And it, quite frankly, I, we've said this before, but it deserves to be said again. There are no sponsorship dollars that pass between us and anyone involved in the industry or anyone at all, quite frankly. Um, I can't even get monetary sponsorship for my wife for this show but that's a whole other topic <laughs> um we what we share is in our best interest to share with our listeners and so when we talk about Luis and terry and a lot of their products this one in particular we share it because we think that our listeners will benefit from hearing about it and i haven't smoked this cigar but i've smoked enough uh other products blended by Luis to know and i'll talk about one of them later on tonight in our what else you've been smoking segment to know that uh, there, there's just mastery of tobacco there. And now I'm starting to have a lot of confidence that there's going to be mastery in growing tobacco as well. Uh, Luis has been posting up some pictures about the Davidoff boys coming to Villa Gonzalez and uh, taking a look at their crops. So who knows? Maybe yeah. they'll uh, get they, some of the product from Davidoff. They're actually just right down the block from Davidoff's operations. Hmm. Well, very nice. But yeah, visits both ways, and he called them a client. So I guess they're doing some kind of business together. Mm-hmm. But I'm a big fan. I mean, Luis has not got the national recognition of some other 
cigar companies, but dang, I love what he's doing. You know, it's kind of funny. You look around at, uh, uh, I think you coined the term coopetition, right? That was you? No, that was Cigar Coop. Oh, well, I was just going to refer to him. Um, whoever coined it, you, you look around at some of our competitors or, you know, collaborators, we can maybe call them that way to be a little bit more kind. Um, and nobody seems to do a better job or focus more on Avo than Stogie Geeks or uh, certainly Cigar Coop. Um, I don't really see anybody talking a lot about LTC products, um, anything in the Cuban tradition cigar group, like what we bring up. And, you know, you can look at some of the other podcasts and blogs, and there are there are a couple uh, brands that a lot of those guys can focus on as well. So I think that that's kind of neat. You know, it's, it's not so much, it's not at all a, a monetary thing or a financial thing. It's about really who who we kind of have gravitated towards in the industry. And it's, it's kind of a cool little niche to get into if you're ever perusing the world of uh, cigar bloggers. Pay attention yeah, to that. It's kind of neat to think. It is. And from year to year, there will be, for lack of a better word, industry darlings that just seem to capture the attention of, of all the online media folks. And Miami Cigar spent some time there. Crowned Heads has certainly had their time in the spotlight. Uh, but yeah, the, the default or the overall thing or ongoing thing seems to, to be just what you described. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Cool. I do too, man. It was just a, just a little bit of a, of a, I don't know, topic I noticed earlier today. Thought I'd mention that in passing. Mm-hmm. What else we got on here? Oh, by the way, if you want the, the real skinny or a little bit more detail on that, uh, La Tradicion, thing we were just talking about that's posted over on half ashton you can find it under the news on the on the homepage there as well as our next story uh, that aj fernandez is extending his new world line uh, most of you may remember the new world i certainly do because i smoke a crap ton of them even this week banned right here off one um, but he is adding a connecticut version and uh, of course just be called the new world connecticut and it will feature an American-grown Connecticut shade wrapper, which is a, a dying breed to have that Connecticut actually grown in the USA. There's just not nearly as much grown as there has been in the past. Uh, it's going to have a Mexican San Andres binder and a filler blend featuring Nicaraguan and Brazilian leaf. And by the way, this is this is uh, this is not just taking the New World blend and putting a Connecticut wrapper on it. It's a it's an entirely different blend. The, the regular New World has what they call a dark Nicaragua wrapper, a Jalapa binder, and a filler blend of Viso Omatepe, Condega Ligero, and Esteli Finca Soledad Ligero. Um, so it's a, it's a very different blend, but within the same line, of course. Um, it's going to come out in four Vitolas, Corona Gorda, 5.5 by 46, a 5 by 50 Robusto, 6x52 Toro and a 6x54 Bellicoso. Um, Pricing is going to be pretty much in line with the existing New World lineup, uh, right around the $6 mark. Uh, the Robusto New Worlds actually in Tampa are right around the $5 mark. They're, they're very well-priced cigars. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this line. I'm anxious to see how it comes out with this new blend. Uh, you know, I'm not always the biggest Connecticut fan, but I'll certainly be giving it a try. 
you know what's uh, interesting to me is that he's using the same name, the New World name. I wonder, I wonder why that is. I mean, I wonder what what correlation there is going to be between the two, or if it's just strictly that New World was a successful release for him last year, and so he's just piggybacking on that. Yeah, I of course don't have any kind of numbers or hard data to back this up, but anecdotally, in the Tampa market anyway, the New World's been very successful. Um, uh, in my local shops, admittedly, I haven't spent as much time in cigar shops the past few months as would normally be the case, but I see a lot of people smoking that cigar and a lot of people buying it. I see it promoted well in the shops, and it seems to be doing very well, so you know, maybe that's part of the motivation to include it kind of under that same umbrella is that the New World's is doing well, and you're going to add to it. Maybe it'll do well, too. Maybe. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> uh, this is completely out of left field, but do you know what the wrapper is on those LTC Coronas that uh, the chat room's going, or excuse me, the forum's going gaga for right now? Uh, no, except Luis is a big fan of Ecuador tobacco for his wrappers, and that would be my guess if I had to put one out. And he he never says anything beyond Ecuador <laughs> when I'm talking to him. So I don't know any kind of specific varietal or anything. I guess that it was probably a Bono, but it's a pretty light and a pretty thin wrapper. So I was wondering if just perhaps it might be a a Connecticut, an Ecuadorian grown Connecticut leaf, but maybe not. It is an Ecuadorian wrapper. I just went to his website, and that's all it says. Hmm. Well, never mind. We never did figure out why he calls it a Corona, but it's a 6x44. Yeah, he's nuts. That ain't a Corona, but (laughs) whatever. It's Corona Gorda 6x50. I might have called that a Toro, too. I'd definitely call that a Toro. But, hey, he's Cuban. Half of what he says is a lie anyways, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love Luis. Uh, I'm uh, I'm listening to uh, a podcast now about the Spanish American War and about the the Cuban descendants. Actually, it's it's a podcast that Ian uh, Kid Corona in the chat room told me about probably a month and a half, two months ago, and it's just so damn long at four and a half hours that I'm still getting through it, and. Uh, there was a lot in there about the Cubans and their tendency to play both sides of not just uh, relationships, but conversations too. I chuckled a bit. And you say that as a person with Cuban heritage, so it's not offensive, right? Yeah. I say that as a person who is, is the majority, the highest percentage of what I am is Cuban. So. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well. Well, well, what I else? I was just going to say, I don't have the notes up yet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this next story? Sure. Uh, This is a story Uh, I'm happy to bring out. Um, Pete Johnson just put a picture up of himself smoking a pipe earlier this this week uh, through Instagram and Facebook, which intrigued me, to say the least. And, uh, And he put this up and just put a comment that he was working on something new. So of course that spurred dozens of comments. Hey, what is it? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. 
kind of cut that down to the the nitty gritty. He is indeed working on some pipe tobacco blends. He hopes to have them available by the trade show, which is a fairly short time frame. Makes me kind of think maybe he's been working on it for a while and he's now ready to maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, I uh, ask where the focus might be in terms of the types of blends he was working on. I actually pleaded, please don't just put out a bunch of aromatic blends because <laughs> I'll be severely disappointed. <laughs> but uh, he, he did reply that he was planning on making more English and some English with aromatic twists, which can go either way. Some of those, sometimes that turns out fantastically, sometimes not so much. Um, I love, knowing Pete's palate in cigars, knowing his history where he is actually before he got Tatuaje up and off the ground, he blended pipe tobacco at a tobacconist shop. That was that was his job. Um, it, it, if it's the case that he's putting out good, solid English blends on his own from scratch, from the ground up, man, I am, I'm bought in already. I'm all for it. Uh, I, I wish the best for that. I'd love to see the, the project take off and take on some life. And, um, you know, and I, and I say from the ground up because... And there have been folks that launch a series of pipe tobaccos and rather than build a blend and actually go from, you know, through the process of the education and all, they, they will get a, a bulk blending house to either just make a blend and put their name on it or take existing blends and blend off of them. And I'm not a, usually a big fan of that. I like to see somebody actually create something and, and I'd love to see that happen. And, you know, knowing that history for Pete, knowing I appreciate his palate, knowing the following he has, that I, I think this could be this could be really big. This could be a, a, a boon to the pipe tobacco industry that, that it needs. You know, it's, it's for the past 40 years, pipe tobacco has been on a steady decline. There's just not that many pipes anymore. A couple of years, there's been an, an uptick, uh, but how much of that is really growth and how much of that is just because the folks trying to skirt tax issues and sell roll your own cigarette tobacco as pipe tobacco. You know, I don't know how that shakes out. And, but I'd love to see the industry go through some kind of revival. And this could at the very least, you know, be a, a little bit of a catalyst for that if it's successful. All right. So I have two questions on, on this. And the first is centered around what you just said, the idea of roll your own, cigarettes um could you conceivably buy roll your own paper and put pipe tobacco in it for a much more manageable easy to smoke uh accoutrements not required pipe tobacco experience there are people that do that there are people that do it successfully but most of the time cigarette tobacco roll your own tobacco is cut in a shag cut which is teeny tiny little strands. And there's actually, there are pipe tobaccos that use that same cut, but most of the time a ribbon cut in pipe tobacco is much bigger. It's more coarsely cut. And so it's a little harder to manage in a cigarette uh, style, you know, and rolling it up. But yeah, it can be done. Hmm. I remember a, uh, movie maybe five ten years ago i'll say 10 years ago it was a black and white about edward r murrow uh good night and good luck maybe mm -hmm. maybe that was the name of the movie and um 
so much of the movie was just accompanied by cigarette smoking. Um, and I saw, I'm a huge film buff for those of you who don't know, uh, never really participated in it, uh, from a production standpoint whatsoever, but, um, I really dig it, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. So I saw an interview with the cinematographer, and I believe that he said that one of the things that he worked out when they were starting to do um, shooting tests was that they changed all the cigarettes to pipe tobacco because the smoke had so much more body that it provided just another, essentially like another set piece. It was just just the perfect accompaniment to what the actors were doing on screen. And so when you just said that about the, the role your own, it got me thinking, and I wonder how difficult that would be to do. Um, you know, if you just, if you're someone like me who I don't carry a pipe with me, I, I have makeshift tamps. Um, this is a, a cork. I don't know if you can see this, but this is a cork top to a rum bottle. And it is absolutely perfect for one of the two pipes that I have now. Thank you, Kip. Um, and it just works perfectly. It's just the perfect uh, diameter and leaves a little bit of space on the sides, doesn't put it out, and it's great. But if I don't want to carry that with me in my truck, but I'd still like to, to taste some pipe tobacco, it would be kind of nice to have an alternative. Although I fear it would look like I was smoking a joint everywhere, but I don't know. Or you're a convict. Or a convict. <laughs> yeah. Not in Florida anymore. They banned tobacco a couple of years ago now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a tense period of time from that October till the following spring. I can imagine. Holy cow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, it was all row your own because the, you know, at that time on the street, a pack of cigarettes was about four bucks, but the inmates, they wanted a pack of brand name cigarettes. They had to pay about seven bucks, almost eight bucks. So they rolled their own. They got they called them rips. They're rolled in prison, and they use <laughs> top top tobacco. Now there's there are tobaccos out there that work universally. Prince Albert, the quintessential American tobacco, uh, which is just about a straight burley. It's been cased. It's nutty and sweet. And if you're gonna buy a drugstore, if you're gonna do that, that's the one I'd recommend. Not any of them that are, uh, well, that are of any value whatsoever, in my opinion. But that that one's not too bad. Um, anyway, it, it's cut really fine. It'll roll it up in a cigarette, put it in a pipe, and do whatever you want to with that. Hmm. I might experiment with that. That would be kind of fun to be able to try pipe tobaccos on a more regular basis. I know this week I've actually had a craving more for pipe tobacco than cigars. Yeah. Oddly enough. It happens. And it's, it's funny that I can not even fathom a reason. Pipe smoking seems to be seasonal for guys that go back and forth to pipes and cigars. I'll smoke a pipe much more readily in the wintertime than, than the summer. And I, I don't know why, no particular reason. It just tends to shake out that way. You don't have winter and summer. You have summer and the rainy season. <laughs> That's well. We got about a week and a half of winter. <laughs> if you combine the last ten years, I'd agree with you. <laughs> well, not not what I'm about to be in though. That's going to be summer and summer. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this next story kind of chaps my ass a little bit. Sorry <laughs> to the people with families living in it. <sighs> Why don't you get into this, and I'll just provide the color. Now, which one are you talking about? The the uh, La Florida Dominicana? Yeah, the the cheating bastards. I I this rubs <laughs> me the wrong way. Really, I I'm anxious to hear that. I don't know what what the deal is. Well, what Craig is alluding to is a few weeks ago we talked about uh, the um, announcement or plan that La Florida Dominicana had. They were Con. going to <laughs> they were going to uh, release a TAA member limited blend as they have for several years. As have golly, I guess there's eight or ten companies now doing this. Um, but they were going to let the retailers kind of do the voting with their pocketbooks. They, they, at the TAA gathering, which was in uh, the Dominican Republic two weeks ago now, um, gather them up, let them all smoke three different cigars. I believe the blend was actually the same as three different patolas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then place orders. And whichever cigar got the most orders would be declared the winner. And that would be what they shipped. Uh, the other sizes that were ordered would be canceled. I don't know if they were going to replace those with this, if the retailer wanted or whatever. But uh, the, the line featured an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Mexican binder, and Dominican fillers with a $9 per stick MSRP. And the winning Vitola was a uh, Robusto. I think they called it a Robusto Extra. It's a 55 by 52 Um and that went out against the other two sizes, which, if I'm remembering right, may have been a six by sixty and a six by fifty-four, fifty-six. Maybe I don't, I don't recall. But the winner was five and a half by fifty-two. Uh, should be on the shelves in about a month or so. It's, it's that time of year when these TAA blends start hitting the shelves. Uh, so if you have a TAA retailer close by, they'll be available. Of course, these will not be sent out to every La Florida Minicana retailer. These will only be for TAA members. And I think there's maybe 80, 75, 80 members now around the country. I mean, what What is the deal? Tell me what's got you well, riled up about this. Admittedly, when we talked about this a couple weeks back, I thought that it was a different blend in each of the three options, not just a different Vitola. So, that takes some of my my anger and, and couches it a bit. But nevertheless, nobody knows how many people placed orders for each of these different sizes. So I'm sure LaFleur made all the cigars months ago, well, weeks ago, and just said, yeah, 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 we are pretty sure that the Toro is going to be the winning size. We'll make the Toro, but we'll generate a lot of buzz and get people over here to place orders so that way, excuse me, that way we can, you know, uh, make it maybe stand out and be something a little different than just a normal TAA limited release. And then, great, you know what? The end of uh, the year when news is a little slow and there's not too much going on, we'll release maybe one of the other sizes that, you know, if something did actually take in more orders in this Toro, we'll release it at that point man oh man i got the hiccups i'm sorry sorry i just think it's absolute crap i think that you don't put a new cigar on shelves within a few weeks you're gonna let those cigars sit for some time and it just doesn't work out to me these cigars have been made come on right <laughs> i'm not the only one who thinks that this is a j- joke so you think the choices are either 
they decided what the winner was going to be and made them ahead of time, or they made some of each and the other two sizes will be shipped as something else later down the road. Absolutely. Okay. I think probably all three. Uh, uh, <laughs> all three were made. I, I mean, I know what you mean. That that Appleton's working on you, isn't it? Oh, you know what it is? It's my system just wanting to reject it. Oh, <laughs> no more Appleton. No more Appleton. Hey, man's uh, always yeah. got a choice. You chose to drink it. I got Appleton or water. I got nothing else down here by me. <laughs> I didn't even bring the pirate or uh, irate or whatever horrible pronunciation I wanted to use a couple weeks back. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I got nothing but a cold cup of coffee sitting here. Uh, well, well, let's see. What else we got on here? This oh, is wait, throw- wait, 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 wait. Before you oh. get into this, what is the coffee you're drinking tonight? It is the Honey Bear Twin Engine. Which have is you, uh, reserve. Have you had any of the Elefante this week? Uh, yeah, we finished that off. Did you notice? Uh, okay, if you finished it within a week, that you probably didn't notice a major difference in flavor, did you? No, not at all. However, I have an interesting story about this honey bear. Yeah, I read the, bag, read the bag that their sun-dried this or that, whatever, brings out the natural sweetness of this bean. You know, and being the skeptical, non-coffee snob kind of guy that I am, I thought, eh, whatever coffee put it in the first pot started brewing it just in a regular drip maker and um and about 10 minutes my son came through the house he's like is mom making brownies i smell chocolate (laughs) it was the coffee wow yeah so kudos to colin boy you really pissed your son off when you told him nope it's coffee (laughs) nothing you're gonna have what (laughs) nope Uh, Ah, nothing like the freedom of a parent to just ruin your kid's day. Yeah. Ah. That's what I do. It's my job. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, we got a story here. It's a couple of weeks old now. I need to get an update on this, and I haven't. But uh, this is a home story here from the state of Florida that our illustrious leaders in Tallahassee are trying to make it a little harder on state employees who smoke. And this is actually following quite a few municipalities around the state that have already done this. And and the company I work for is a pseudo state agency. We're kind of in a gray area. And and this is, I was grandfathered in. I smoke cigars. They know it. I fill out a tobacco affidavit thing every year that that's what I'm doing. I'm not quitting and I'm paying more for insurance for it. But as of two, three years ago, the company I work for no longer hires anybody who uses tobacco of any kind. And so the state is trying, or they've at least published an intent to end hiring any tobacco users whatsoever throughout the state government um, to include e-cigarettes. It's basically it's nicotine usage of any kind. Um, they're not going to hire them, not going to allow uh, smoking or tobacco use in any government-owned buildings or vehicles, etc., cetera, um, to include break times when employees are on breaks. 
this would all go into effect in July of this year, three months from now, uh, if, if it goes through. And then over the next couple of years, they would phase in some more, uh, some some more stringent things, including a twenty dollar fee from every pay period. And I kind of looked into that and read the little government register thing. I need to dig that back up too. Um, it's not an increased insurance premium. It's a fee. You just pay a twenty dollar fee out of every paycheck for the privilege of smoking, I suppose. And <laughs> it's not clear what they're even going to do with the money. Um, it just, it, I don't know. It just seems ludicrous to me. It's still a legal product, but no more. If, if this goes through, if you're a state employees, existing state employees, I imagine will be grandfathered in just like the company I work for. But, uh, if you use tobacco, don't try to get a job after July with the state of Florida. Should this go into effect? Good gracious. Is there going to be like random drug testing or random nicotine testing? Like, like there would be for drugs? Yes. <clears throat> wow. Absolutely. If uh, most of the private companies that do this already have that in place, there's random nicotine testing. Hmm. If you fill out this little affidavit I have to complete every year, I have to disclose that I smoke cigars. No, I don't want help quitting. I, <laughs> I don't want to quit. Um, yeah. And I just pay the extra for health insurance. But if I fill that out as a no, or I submitted a form now that says I don't smoke, they would test me for sure for cotinine, which is a derivative of nicotine in your bloodstream. It really is a joke. I mean, I, eh, nah, we've talked about this a bunch. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, uh, legislative items that have scratch the surface on this topic over the couple of years we've been doing half ashed and you know i guess uh it is the legal right to do this but um it just seems a little counterintuitive when there's such a someone in the chat room says but we're legalizing marijuana you know uh we're we're going opposite directions with a lot of things and it doesn't quite make a lot of sense to me there certainly is a a healthful impact of it. And I could see someone try to make the case that monetarily it may be a better move for an organization to do this strictly monetarily. But I, uh, I don't quite see that as being what people are touting as the reason for uh, government agencies moving that direction. Right. And, and, you know, there is an increased cost, with smoking in general for employers that carry health insurance. I understand that, but somewhere has got to be a line. I mean, do not do we, I can tell you what's going to happen next is they're going after fat folks going after overweight folks. Cause that's a higher cost and a higher risk as well. And it's a huge one. It's not small and it's not even small compared to smoking. It's, they're very similar. They actually go hand in hand in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, we can't eliminate everything. Uh, it's, I understand insurance companies are not um, humanitarian agencies. They, they are business. Hmm. That is true. As with hospitals, I guess. Well, this our, story, I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm, I'm waiting on my popcorn. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> 
this is a bit of a follow-up as well as as um, a new introduction of some information regarding a previous story that we uh, talked about back in November. So I, I have in the notes we, but in all reality, I had some very choice words uh, for a few statistics um, shared from an organization called Cigar Sense. Way back when, I think it was our November 7th show. Is that what you said, Kip? Yeah. We had uh, a... I I don't even remember how we uh, obtained the information, but we got some results from a survey that Cigar Sense, this organization, put out. And to be brutally honest, we torched the results. Um, It was things... Some of the results that came back were... Um, that, uh, uh, let's just say cigar smokers, uh, a percentage, a very high percentage of cigar smokers said that, um, the flavors in a cigar were the most important thing. And then a a nearly equally high percentage of cigar smokers in this survey said that they were unable to detect specific flavors in a cigar. And just, there were a lot of kind of head scratching, uh, or just odd irregularities in the the statistics of this survey that had been published. So we talked a lot about that and had some questions, and I believe we even had some follow-up, a follow-up note from um, the uh, originator of the survey and the owner of this company, Cigar Sense. Um, and so we've, we've kind of come full circle with this. Just today I was told by a buddy of mine that uh, the organization had um, just released some information on a new program that they were pushing forward. And this program, excuse the hiccups again, guys, I apologize. Um, uh, This program is, is actually putting forth an effort to publish a cigar review site that will learn your palate and recommend cigars that you may like based on uh, a pretty extensive database of 1,200 cigar reviews that are already published by a control group of smokers. Um, it's really kind of a unique idea, this this thought that a cigar re- review site will develop um, <clears throat> knowledge about what you like and what your palate has a tendency to appreciate or detect and recommend like products for you. Um, and I thought that this was worthy of bringing up again because i really am looking forward to knowing how this this database these these cigar reviews are going to or how they were developed with that information on that original survey that was conducted um and those statistics that were um shared that were published so i'm very interested in this because if if some of the questions or irregularities that we brought up or that we kind of scratched our head in regard to um, are worked out or perhaps had uh, a a reasonable outcome behind them as to how they impacted this cigar review process, I really think that this um, uh, program could be useful. So I see it primarily as a help for new new smokers, people who are just getting into cigar smoking can um, go to cigarsense.com 
com. Um, <clears throat> you know, become affiliated with the organization, uh, put in cigars that they like, what t- tastes they may or may not have gotten or what they're looking for. And this organization will recommend things specifically catered to them. Um, that to me sounds like it could be a really useful database for the new smokers looking to um, be diligent with staying within a, a certain niche of what he knows he likes or helping them branch out without perhaps wasting money on cigars that otherwise uh, wouldn't be in their wheelhouse. So that's that's one main benefit. And another is that I think for those who are a lot like me, who don't reach out to a lot of new cigars on a regular basis, um, this might be a way to help us kind of pinpoint our focus and see, you know what, I generally like X, Y, and Z, this new cigar seems as if it would line up with that. I might give that a try, but that new cigar from X manufacturer does not seem to be in my wheelhouse. I'm just going to kind of skip it, not waste my time. I'm going to stick with what I know works for me. So um, that really is the rub here. The fact that this program will determine what will fit your tastes based on what else you like. So that was that was something new. It sounds like, uh, you know, uh, I think Yelp does that. Um, obviously, Google does that. Uh, it, it seems like it's kind of new world and uh, very progressive thinking technologically applied to the cigar industry. And those of you who are on the, uh, the Half-Ashed Forum know that I've talked recently about how can we objectively taste the cigar. Is there an objective or a scientific way to taste the cigar? We obviously don't have an answer to that, but I'm hoping that cigar sense might be a way to, how do I put this? Objectively be subjective. (laughs) If that makes sense. And, uh, Head on up to CigarSense.com. Start to formulate your own opinions. Check it out. Read a little bit. Um, There's a great backing, it seems. A lot of uh, uh, pedigree amongst the people who are affiliated. A lot of people are uh, part of Cigar Journal. And um, who knows? I'll be interested in following up with this again after we can get through. There's a a three-page long release that uh, I had access to this evening and a couple other things. So we'll get through that and kind of develop a little bit more of an educated opinion and bring it up to you guys again. But until then, check it out yourself. It's kind of an interesting one. (laughs) Those hiccups are insane, man. (laughs) Oh man. I tried to be as professional as I could and it was jostling me. So I couldn't even read the notes effectively. It was, it was getting rid of my position. Uh, sorry about that. That's okay. I'm finding some humor in it. Yeah, I can tell. You son of a bitch. Let's talk about this cigar a little bit. <clears throat> I think that's a darn good idea. Uh, I uh, seem to have lost my little gauge here. I was going to see how much I had left, but it's not there. there I, it I have one of the most fun in unique flavors that I've ever gotten out of a cigar, I've gotten off of this. Really? Tell me. <laughs> You're going to think I'm crazy. Too late. <laughs> Yellow cake and chocolate frosting. Huh. Okay. <laughs> you think I'm crazy. 
A little bit. A little I, bit. That is my uh, – I'm not a huge dessert guy. Um, but that is my, my favorite dessert. On, on my birthday, my wife makes me a, ye- a yellow cake with milk chocolate frosting. Uh, all from scratch, and this cigar has that sweetness, that kind of slow retro hail, revealing caramel that I was talking about in the second third. Approaching the final third, that started transitioning over into a little bit of a chocolatey vanilla-type sweetness, and then all of a sudden it hit me. It tasted like yellow cake and chocolate frosting. Wow. Craziest thing, but when I really, really slowly retroed this cigar, I would get that flavor. And it was spectacular. Cool. I am that's a whack wacky one, I know, but man. I got about three and a half inches left of the cigar. And I don't know, we're an hour into it now, I guess. So a couple inches an hour. Maybe moderately fast although i feel like i've been smoking it slower and uh and i just wanted to comment that it seems to have responded well to that whereas the first one i was smoking before the show time um i just kind of had it sitting here in the ashtray smoking away while i was working on the notes and probably smoked it a little faster than normal and it had maybe just a little bit of a an ashy kind of character to it but this one uh, when I say it's responding well, it has a very clean finish in comparison to that first one. And, and maybe it's just the impact of having two of them back to back, but uh, I'm digging it. I'm not getting maybe the same degree of sweetness as you. It has a little bit more of a savory character to it to me than, than just an overt sweetness. I can kind of see where you're going, but uh, I don't think I'm quite there in terms of finding that sweetness the way you have. Mm. I just dig it. I've got, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm an hour and a half into this. I started at 8.15, and I have about two and three quarters left. Um, two and a half, I think, somewhere right in that range I just measured. Um, and I still get that sweetness. The finish is not as enjoyable as it was. It's starting to turn. Smaller puffs uh, yield a little bit better result. I don't I don't mean that it's turning ashy or acrid. Um it's it's just turning into some spice a pepper really red pepper flavor on my on my um uh hard palate that's just a little less than appe- appealing um that's primarily where i was getting that sweetness on my hard palate but oh sorry that was a loud hiccup i apologize um i haven't looked at the chat room for a while i bet they're torching me for these aren't they no Wow, they're being nice tonight. Um, <clears throat> We've lost twenty percent of the viewers, but other than that, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame them. Um, it really is uh, a, an interesting sweetness that was much better in the second, third. But right now, I still do enjoy it, and with smaller puffs, that red pepper flavor does not come through as prominently. Hmm. Which yeah, I'm. I got nothing like pepper at all. We're having different experiences with this, these cigars. Wow! Not even on a retro hell. No, no, no peppery flavor. No peppery spice. No feel to it. It, it is. It is still. It's. It's. It's chewy and savory to me. Although I, I 
all of my previous comments about this cigar have been about the sweetness. It's just this particular one. And again, maybe it's cause, you know, this is two in a row of these things. I don't know. Still, still enjoying it quite a bit. Just different. Hmm. Well, what else we got here? I guess we're going to talk about what we've been uh, smoking this week. Let's do it. Do it. You can do it. Adam Quinn in the chat room tells me to hold my breath until I pass out. Then I won't have the hiccups anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it will be terribly entertaining for the rest of us. It's uh, That reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. I grew up with my dad saying, hold your breath, count to a thousand. I guarantee it won't bother you any longer. <laughs> <clears throat> He was a caring man. Yeah, all dads are. It's what we do. Well, I'll uh, kick us off here if you don't mind. Yeah, see, we've come full circle back to Luis Sanchez. Yeah, and this really wasn't <laughs> intent- intended to be uh, Luis Sanchez love fest, but uh, the cigar this week that I want to talk about is the T.L. Johnson Legend Reserve 63 Med- Maduro. <clears throat> and uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about this cigar, maybe a few weeks back. Um, I believe I also talked about the Maduro at that point. And I really talked about how, or we had a conversation about how it seemed that Luis's um, talents are probably the right way of classifying them, had uh, really been heightened from focusing on for so long on mild flavorful cigars that when Terry kind of came into the mix here and, and started pushing Luis to blend stronger, fuller, um, heavier cigars that it really kind of prompted Luis to take everything that he learned about respecting the palate and, and about flavor first and, and, strength as kind of an afterthought of pushing that and maintaining the same ideology with a cigar has to taste and perform and, and burn perfectly. And that's paramount. And then strength can be there as well, but it has to taste epic. And with this legend reserve, I feel like he's really, he's learned something that a lot of blenders I don't think have learned. And that's how to resist respect the smoker's palate he's not trying to attack it he's trying to kind of be harmonious with it and this is a a heavy cigar it's moderately strong there's a ton of flavor and a ton of complexity and depth but it never is is too much it doesn't go beyond where it should um and it gets right up to that line it's not a a cigar for the faint of heart but it it doesn't surpass it and I am not a nicotine love. I'm not somebody who wants to stand up and, and be dizzy. Um, but this cigar took me right about to the edge of my comfort zone, kept me within it, and then performed admirably in terms of flavor and constru- construction. I just, I really, really dig these cigars. Really dig them. And I think that's a, that's a delicate line to walk. And I think oh. a lot of folks kind of 
push that a little bit. A lot of blenders, just because of the scuttlebutt, the hubbub, people talking big on the internet and talking big in cigar shops. Oh, I want something stronger. I want, you know, I want it to be the stronger, the better, the full strength all the way in. And I think they maybe put a little much stock, a little too much stock into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a couple on here. Uh, first off, I had, even those on the video, this will focus, the Leaf by Oscar, which is, uh, I thought was only available up at Leaf and Bean in Pennsylvania until Frankie 99 came down from the Great White North uh, visiting Tampa here a couple months ago. Uh, one of our friends of the show, who's, I don't know if he's in the chat room tonight, but he usually is. And uh, he, he gave me one of these and said he actually had bought the thing in Tampa. <laughs> and so it turns out there's a shop in Tampa that carries these cigars. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a novel, a novelty, but it is a novel presentation of the cigars. He actually rolls the cigar, puts the band on it, and then wraps the cigar in a leaf of tobacco. So it's kind of a neat presentation. It does, you know, it doesn't change the cigar any, but uh, he gave me the, the Connecticut version. And I'm not always a big fan of Connecticut's, but I did enjoy this one for most of it. Uh, the first two thirds were, were interesting. Um, it didn't have maybe that, that sharp edge that Connecticut sometimes put into a cigar. Um, but by the time I got two thirds of the way into it, I was feeling it. It, it, and, and, you know, when you think Connecticut, you don't always think powerhouses in terms of strength, but this one had some strength to it. And I probably put it down before I would have it were it not for that reason. It was just a little bit much for me and, and it wasn't the first cigar of the day either. So that, that wasn't helping anything I'm sure. Um, but it, it had a lot of, uh, what I sometimes call bright sweetness and you know that, but, but it didn't flirt with that crisp, sharp kind of flavor that sometimes a Connecticut wrapper will put onto a, onto a cigar. But I'm interested. I think he's got a, a Maduro version too. I'm going to try to get down to that shop and, and grab one of the Maduros and give them a try. Um, because when I put the picture up and I got a little bit of feedback from folks that had, that had had these cigars and everyone that made a comment that had a preference preferred the Maduro. So I'm kind of excited to, to give that one a try too. Hmm. Yeah. What? Tell me a little bit about this cigar. What, where I are they made? <sighs> I don't know just a whole ton about it. I know Rodrigo cigars, George Rodriguez, and yeah. uh, um, Island Jim, guy that owns Leaf and Bean up in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they're the two guys that are behind it, and I'm trying to think of Oscar's last name, Oscar Valladares. Oh. Um, okay. But anyway, the, the, I don't know. I, I think it comes out of Honduras. I'll have to do some research because – Frankly, it was just a cigar I smoked this week, and I didn't really dig into it. Uh, I, d I don't know a lot about it because I didn't, wasn't even aware it was on the shelf local to me. I thought it was – I knew about it two years ago at uh, in Chattanooga. The tweet up, Barry Stein was smoking one and tell me a little bit about it, and that was really the last I'd seen of them. I didn't, I didn't realize it was available outside of Leaf and Bean, but uh, I guess now they're just distributing those, those things a little more widely than I knew about. 
at one point I thought that Skip Martin had some sort of involvement in that, but I, that was nothing more than my own assumption. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's something that's, it's been, it was a blip on my radar two years ago and then gone completely until now. I, I just simply haven't kept up with it. Hmm. Interesting. I got one other one on here that I'll talk about. And this is a cigar that I had you pick some up for me. I guess it was a year and a half ago or so, close to two years yeah. now when these yeah, came out. Probably. Yep. The uh, Nestor Miranda Special Selection Exclusivo Regional, uh, which was a Midwest regional release from Nestor Miranda. And it, I am forever a fan of San Andres rapper, despite my inability to identify it a week ago. <laughs> Boy, that abandoned was a fiasco. Anyway, <laughs> and so I tried a couple of these, loved them, and called you up, had you get me a, a box of them that came in boxes of 10, and got a quick education on the tax situation in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I, I love the cigars. I loved the the back to the brownie kind of sweetness that they had at the time. And I dug one out this week. And it's, I think they kind of developed a little bit of an itch to them. It, it, uh, it didn't have that bold, in-your-face kind of sweetness that it did a year and a half ago. Uh, it, it, you know, whether it's lost that or it's just going through a period of a little bit of difference or what, um, Probably if I smoked that's the, the cigar it is today, then I would not have wanted to pick up a, another box of them. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to come back around or if it's on a downhill or what. I'll, I'll grab another one in a month or two and see. And if, if it's not any different, I may just go ahead and smoke through the last few kind of those. But uh, I, I did enjoy them quite a bit more then than I did this one this week. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, uh, I'm, I find that really perplexing. Hmm. Why is that? I don't know. I, uh, quite frankly, I just always thought that you'd hate these cigars on principle. <laughs> why? Is, why? <laughs> Chicago taxes, man. Oh, pfft. no. I mean, they were not expensive cigars, even with the taxes. They weren't percentage of tax you guys pay. <laughs> it was ludicrous to me i mean i'm hmm. here in florida we have a sales tax that's you know everything except unprepared food we don't pay tax on that at all but cigars have no extra tax besides sales tax and you guys got like 49 and a half percent or some crazy thing <laughs> they have a state tax a city tax a county tax a tax tax and they tax you for collecting taxes i don't know <laughs> the uh the city tax is an interesting one to me it was like it was oh. like uh northwest side chicago city tax because we can haha on the receipt i'm pretty sure that's what it said habana mike asked if i could hold that band up a second or two longer let me oh wait i don't know which band he wanted this is the nestor miranda let me try to get that. those were the two bands on it and this is the leaf by Oscar. Uh, come on, focus on that, you joker. I think you <laughs> might have to hold it up a little higher so it doesn't get your head in there. 
I was trying to cover the whole screen, and once it tried to open there, whoop. Oh, you had it for a moment. There you go. Yeah, there it is. This is Leaf by Oscar. This is the band that was on the cigar proper. And then he puts a leaf of tobacco around it and twists the ends and folds it over and then puts actually another band on the outside. Hmm. Um, I guess he is talking about the leaf. He said, did they have scrap tobacco in the boxes with burlap stuff? I don't know. I, I just had a single. I have not yet been to the shop that sells them to see what the what they look like in the in the box. Who uh, who gave that to you? Frankie Frank uh, Frank Halico Frankie ninety nine in the chat room when he's here. I don't think he is tonight. That's yeah, I don't see him. But uh, he uh, he makes a month long trip to Florida every year, or at least the past two years. And it's kind of a cool chance to. Hang out with somebody I would not normally encounter because he lived a couple thousand miles north of me. Yeah, if I'm 1,100 miles, he's he's 2,500, if that. Yeah, I don't even remember which part of Canada he's from, but it's cold, I'm sure. I think Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is Winnipeg now that you say that. <clears throat> well, it looks like you have this infamous, famous series of emails to talk about. Yeah, we uh, we had alluded to this last week when Colin Ganley was on, um, and uh, you know we said we'd talk about it again when Colin was here. To I'd love to get his opinion on this, and and we can just do that the next time Colin's on. But I have a feeling this uh, is not going to be as quick and easy as just ten minutes or so as we could devote tonight. This might be something that we get ongoing email from other people on or who knows, maybe from uh, the person who sent this in the first place. So let's just get right into it. So uh, the listener who called himself Cigar City sent me a number of different emails and I have two of his emails and one of my, and my final response to him actually. So I'll read through these and then we can kind of talk about it a little bit. I think it's probably more than anything, just going to spur conversation between the two of us and, and maybe we can pull in a little bit from the chat too. So, uh, all right. So, uh, cigar city writes, did you happen to read David Garofalo's posts or listen to his podcast, the cigar authority, um, regarding his recent trip to Cuba with Colin Ganley? In a nutshell, his impression from the few days that he was in Cuba was that there was no blending going on uh, in the preparation of different cigars in Cuba these days. Cigars are simply rolled with whatever tobacco is available, and after being rolled, they are sorted by color and size, and that is what determines what label is applied to a cigar, uh, or what brand a cigar is. That's my own uh, interpretation. Uh, his comments seem to have been created seem to have created a bit of an uproar in the community of folks who smoke Cubans. I'm just curious if you have seen his comments and if you had an opinion, especially since you know Colin and that he was present at the time that David Garofalo was in the factories. That was email one from Cigar City. So I responded back uh, relatively, um, relatively um, generically, I'll put it that way. Uh, and uh, in the hopes that I could maybe discuss this on the show or talk to Colin first, whatever it may have been. And Cigar City sent a second email shortly thereafter. And he says, thanks for the reply, Craig. 
I assumed you would have a differing opinion to what David's was. Personally, I have only smoked a handful of Cuban cigars, so I don't have any type of vested interest. I just find the conversation interesting. I just find it interesting. I was a few episodes behind when I originally sent you the email. So funny thing is that when I subsequently heard the episode where you discussed that Monte Cristo you had recently smoked, you were discussing how inconsistent the flavors had become from stick to stick. Although I really can't slash don't believe that they're producing cigars in such a manner, it would explain some of the swing in the taste profile. But then again, there are a lot of things that could cause that to occur. So my second response to Cigar City, I've included below, or at least a segment of it I've included below. Um, And so it goes as such. Cigar City, I have a different take on things. I believe a government and a company are two separate things. How the Cubans run that facet of their government is not indicative of a leap discussed in Dave's article, of the leap discussed in Dave's article. I'm not saying what he saw didn't happen, Rather, if it did, it happened for a different reason than he alluded to. So this is, and that was the end of my response. So I'll follow up now and kind of give some additional comments here. So this is not the first time that this has been brought up. Um, In 2004, I believe, I think it was 2004, um, Pete Johnson was in Cuba. And I'm not telling tales out of school here. Uh, Pete posted this up on BOTL.org uh, years back, maybe five or six years ago. Uh, a very, very similar story. And it's one that I've heard from other people besides Pete and besides Dave Garofalo. And it was, oh, yeah, all the cigars on the rolling table. I'm sorry, on the sorting table just had random bands applied to them. They were boxed. And that was that. That was all it was. Dave had comments about that, about how the cigars were banded. And he also had comments, as Cigar City discussed in his first email, about, oh, the cigars just were um, uh, put together with the tobacco at hand, and there wasn't really a blend. So I I have knowledge and opinions and some hypotheses, I'll say, rather than just opinions, about some of this. And, and I certainly don't have an answer. I'm not uh, a member of the manufacturing uh, organization that uh, creates Cuban cigars. Um, I have not been to Cuba, but I do know a little bit more about this from a broader spectrum. So uh, Dave's first major comments really were centering around the fact that he was shocked that there was not an in-house blender at the factories where th- that they toured. Um, and I am not shocked by that. I, we're not working with a new world cigar industry here. We're working with, in the case of Monte Cristo, the one cigar that was brought up that I had experienced some inconsistencies with, that cigar started in 1935. That is an 80-year-old blend. I would hope they know what that blend is by now. So, so to, to think about how, to think about how the blending process takes place, we know that the tobacco varietals in Cuba have changed and they've changed um, most uh, significantly since 1995. And then again, very significantly in 2003. 
and then also lesser but still significant in 2008. And so this is to throw out some names that people may know. Um, it was Corojo and Criollo tobacco prior to 1995. And then the tobacco varietals changed a little bit because there were sicknesses or viruses that the tobacco crop was going through. And so the thought was to kind of stay ahead of that and hybridize the tobacco crops so as to produce or, or work with a crop that was more resistant to um, uh, common tobacco viruses, black shank, blue mold, so on and so forth. So the idea was stay ahead of it, put out product that has a higher yield so that way we can avoid a massive loss that would be detrimental to our uh, uh, economy. And it makes sense. Everybody does this. Every every corporate um, agricultural organization hybridizes and modifies seed for higher yields or uh, strain resistance to uh, bacteria or viral um, infest infections or infestations from insects, things along those lines. So this is kind of a long-winded response here, but once that tobacco varietal is tweaked and the tobacco is tasted and the sensations are noted, that blend is finalized for what it was to now what it needs to be. So in 1994, the blend might have been uh, one leaf from X Vega, two leaves from Y Vega, and half a leaf from Z Vega. And then there was a blend change in 1995 to, or a, a tobacco varietal change, which resulted in a blend change because the tobaccos didn't taste identical after the varietal of tobacco was changed. So now instead of one, two and a half, it might have been one and a half, one and a half and one or something. Uh, that doesn't add up to the same number, but you understand the point. So that let's say, let's make the very reasonable assumption that the people in the H. Upman factory where uh, I know they toured and I know they witnessed production, um, let's let's say that um, the managers in that factory were aware of what needed to be. They handed what the blend needed to be. They handed out each of the, the bunchers their um, ration, let's call it, of tobacco that they were using. And those people who are rolling or bunching the cigars know, okay, this is the Velado, this is the Seco, this is the Lajero, and I am rolling a cigar that gets one leaf of this, two leaves of this, a quarter leaf of that, and boom, I bunch it, I put it in the mold, and my roller takes it later on. They're not individual blenders. They're people who are given the ingredients, and they know the recipe, and they make it. There's no reason to tweak a blend, and no one would ever leave a blend in the hands of the least educated person in the world when it came to, or I'm sorry, in the room when it came to uh, tobacco um, to determine what is the right move. That has been decided from a, a governmental level, a high up um, Cuba tobacco employee sits down and or probably a, a group of them sits down and determines this is what this blend now is with tobacco from this Vega, that Vega and the other. Um, so that's how I would address the comment about there's no blender here. Is there no real blend? Huh? 
I think that that is a very viable hypothesis as to how no blender was actually on site. There's no need for a blender. That's been done. There's no reason to tweak it. It would not be efficient to have to check something that they knew was already within their standards. No. Um, am I off base with that, or does that sound like a logical conclusion, Kip? Because no, you sorry. and I have not talked about this, so I want to get kind of an objective perspective. No, it, it makes sense to me. I'm tracking with you so far. Hmm. Uh, well. the, um, at the Fuente factory, which is the factory I've been in more times than any other, there's a couple of guys that have like the coolest job in the world. <laughs> One is um, Ariel, who's we call him the cigar ninja because he just like fades out of the background when we're on the tour and he's just there and then he's gone again. But he, he is kind of uh, the guy running around. He's not the, the manager of the facility, but he's the guy running around checking blends, checking you know the rollers, testing this or that. And, and uh, the other guy is just really humble little guy. He's worked for the Fuentes for over 30 years, and his name's Manuel. And the, 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 I have a funny story about him. We were on one of these tours, and there was a couple there that wanted their picture taken with him. And they didn't speak Spanish, and he didn't speak English, so they were just kind of motioning like this to take a picture and, and hold their hands up. And so he took the camera from him. He thought they wanted him to take a picture of them, and they wanted a picture with him. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, his, that guy, he, like, tests test smokes all these cigars are being rolled and it's it's the most amazing thing when he's, he's i've never seen the man without a cigar lit hanging from his face except mm. when he's like feels like he's done with one he'll put it down and it's not three seconds until another cigar has appeared from somewhere in that factory and and, and is lit in his mouth and that's his job is like that guy gets paid to smoke cigars all day long <laughs> I want to die and come back as him. <laughs> you know, I wonder at that point if cigars are, are an outlet for him or if they're just a job. Yeah, I've thought about that before. Uh, you know, I have known a couple of professional fishermen because I love fishing. But they're like, at, at some point, it just becomes a job. and You're just tired of fishing. And those of us on the other side of that just can't can't even fathom what that would feel like and i i guess it's about the same you know you got to get tired of smoking cigars all day long not that i wouldn't want to give it a shot give it the old college try but but i imagine it does become a job you know i i would just hope that well we talked about this i've had some minor uh toe dangling experience into the cigar industry and it it took it away from this amazing friday night respite where you can wash away all the the bs from the the week and and just recharge your batteries sit back talk with a buddy look at a freaking computer screen and smoke a cigar and have a killer night you know and if it would take that away that freedom away i boy, I'd consider him to be one of the the least fortunate people in the world because I, I don't know if I would trade that 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 exodus, that ability to be taken somewhere else, to, to leave all the crap behind that a cigar can give me. Man, I don't know. Well, I hope I'm never in that frame of mind. 
I hear you. Well, we have uh, part number two from this email here from Cigar City, where he he comments about Dave's uh, um, experiences or or what he's witnessed in regard to um, the cigars just sitting on a rolling table and then being sorted um, by color and whatever color, whatever shade they are, boom, they go into Xbox. You know, okay, this is a Colorado. That's going to be uh, an H. Upman box. Okay, this is a, a Claro. That's going to be a Monte Cristo box. Um, and he was he was pretty adamant about this this conversation uh, that he witnessed. This very obvious thing that he witnessed. Uh, and I have had some conversations with people who are much more in the know as to the process. Um, perhaps so in the know that they're not just spectators. They're people who are informed. And he, Dave did get some things wrong. The comment was that cigars were rolled, then they were color sorted, then they were boxed and boom, that was, that was, that was actually false. The cigars go from being rolled to spending time in an escaparate. That is a fact, and that is something that happens at the factories. Dave just must have witnessed that, or not witnessed that, or witnessed something that made him think the cigars were essentially coming off the rolling table and being boxed. So there's a couple facets to this part of his conversation, and that one has absolutely been um, confirmed to be false. Now, his other comments about uh, the color sorted fi- final product determining what brand the cigar becomes that I have the least amount of hard information or knowledge in regard to. Um, Dave saw what he saw, but doesn't it sound a little ludicrous? It 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 does to me, and, and yeah, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't know what he saw, but. It's a couple of things. One, just in the limited experience I've had in the past two years of this show, there are, I mean, the brands tend to line up to being somewhat similar. I mean, the Ramon Iona is a good example. That that one is mostly identifiable to me. I wouldn't swear to it 100% of the time, but it's different than the others. And so I, I just can't imagine it being as simple as sorting by color. And because there are differences that seem to stand out between one brand, you know, brand X and brand Y. And the other thing, it just seems terribly inefficient to try and manage all that, all those bands and packaging it at a spot like that. It seems, you know, we go to another factory, they have a pile of bands for what X cigar they're banding and they sort by color and they all get the same band, but they sort by color within a box, not, not, not between brands or even between between lines. No. Uh, sorry, I'm putting something in the chat room. Um, my my um, assumption here, and I can't say hypothesis because I really don't have anything that would lead me to it, but my assumption here is that what's really happening is you're seeing cigars that are being color sorted that aren't all the same size. Now I, I haven't witnessed it, but if you have Robustos and Lonsdales and Coronas on a table and you're color sorting, you're 
you're sorting for those three Vitolas, which you have the bands and box for or whatever. Maybe you're boxing them and you're sending them somewhere else to get bands applied, whatever it may be. Um, I would say that there has to be some differentiating factor that would allow you to avoid what it is that, that Dave's saying. And maybe he just didn't notice it. You know, maybe it was, it was Trey Petit Coronas, Petit Coronas, and Coronas. Three cigars, which are all within one inch of each other, have an identical ring gauge um, and could potentially be mistaken for each other. A Corona and a Petit Corona are not that much different in length. You know, a Corona and a Lonsdale, a Corona and a Corona Grande are, are half inches apart, you know, uh, three-eighths in some cases. Maybe we're looking at that situation where, you know, he was color sorting, but he was also dealing in multiple cigars at a time because perhaps production of the uh, I, I, the Cohiba Siglo 2 wasn't as large uh, that day. They only produced a few thousand cigars, and so they had a few people who were color sorting, and it wouldn't take you that long to sort through a few thousand. So you have Cohiba Siglo 2, which is a Petit Corona, um, Cohiba Siglo 1, which is, a, I believe, a Tre Petit Corona, you know, those cigars are very similar in size. And so you might see that and go, oh, well, he's just sorting these cigars and putting them into different boxes. That's ridiculous. They're all the same blend. But I'm wondering if there's something else. And again, I'm I'm making an, a guess here. It's not a hypothesis. It's just I've smoked a lot of Cuban cigars, a lot of them. And there are inconsistencies. I won't say that there's not but there are also blends and absolutely specific flavors that I know a Monte Cristo is the only cigar out there that's going to taste like coffee and cocoa and that beautiful mocha sweetness. You're not going to have a Partagas that tastes that way. A Partagas P2, which is a torpedo, and a Monte Cristo number two do not taste the same. They do not. And and I don't know if Dave doesn't have a lot of experience, but those few things add up to me thinking that that really has to be a questionable fact. Admittedly, I wasn't there. I don't have firsthand knowledge, and I'm only making guesses as to how to prove him wrong, but it's just worth the conversation. The other items, I absolutely have... I have a, a, a very respectful hypothesis that I can formulate with this one. I can't, it's just conjecture. Yeah. But it's awful weird. And it seems like a, a color sort to go to brand would be a really broad brush to paint too. And they would need to be sorted again before they go into a box. I thought that was normally the purpose of the color sort was to match within a box. So it, you know, it, it generally goes from, lighter to darker on one end of the box even just tiny little differences but enough that if you pick up a cigar from one side of the box and move it to the other you can see the difference but such a gradual progression otherwise you wouldn't mm. seems like it would require a second sort to do it just simply for brand mm -hmm. yeah it does it does seem like that it just seems counterintuitive and you know <clears throat> if you hang out in circles of people who are familiar with cuba and products that come from Cuba, one of the most common phrases you'll hear is, hey, it's Cuba, anything goes. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it wouldn't 
be overly surprising to hear that they were doing something not in the most efficient manner. But this is this is a little bit different than just not the most efficient manner. This is something that is counterintuitive. So I, I certainly would, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I certainly would be interested in further communication that any of our listeners have had firsthand or reliable secondhand information. Uh, and we'd be more than happy to, to share it on the show because I'm interested in this and I'd love to hear what other people say. Yeah, you're just going to have to jump in on one of Colin's trips and go down there yourself. Man, I am hoping for November. <laughs> well, I am two hours and ten minutes into this J.D. Howard Reserve, and I have one and a quarter inches left, and I believe it's time to put it out. I've got just a bit more than you, but I didn't start till later. I got inch and seven-eighths, maybe. Good to know. I'd say my favorite portion of it was the end of the first third into the second. I think in my favorite part's just a, a, a bit further along than you. I, since we last spoke, I can now kind of get a little bit of a zing through the nose, maybe just a, just a little bit of peppery kind of flavor and spice, yeah, both you know the, the feel and the flavor as well. Um, so it's picked up that. I never did get the sweetness out of this one that you talked about or that I've experienced on the earlier ones. Still very enjoyable. I, I like it. I like the size. Um of the crowned heads lines, the JD Howard's probably my least favorite. Um, I think I like the four kicks the best still. I, I, I love that cigar of their normal production. Uh, the Los Calaveras, which is a yearly production uh, last year's. I really liked um, the uh, Headley Grange and then the JD Howard Jericho Hill, probably more than the Headley Grange JD Howard down at the bottom, but of the JD Howard, I think this is probably my favorite size of that line so far. And it may just be when they first came out, I tried, you know, tried the offerings. I think there's four or five Vitolas in the line, maybe even six. And, yeah, I thought, you know, it's a good cigar, but the, the, I still preferred the others. But of the J.D. Howard, I think I like this size the best. You know, I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off, but last week we talked about a lot of uh, stagnant blending themes and derivative uh, cigars. And this, I would absolutely say, falls in line with that. This is a cigar that, uh, while having some unique qualities and some flavors that I've not had in other cigars, um, I think that it is pretty generally uh, new school Nicaraguan flavors that uh, are relatively reminiscent of a lot of other cigars on the market. Interesting, because it's it's got you know Nicaraguan fillers, but Ecuadorian and Brazilian wrapper and binder. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean that Araparaca, Araparaca, whatever that proper pronunciation is. Uh, We're just gonna have to start calling it AP. <laughs> AP. Uh, that wrapper has in the past applied a lot of flavors that. Uh, are very unique and kind of outside the box, but I just don't think it did it here. This is a little bit generic. Gosh, don't hurt, but it just doesn't taste as unique as I would like it to. Albeit, it is enjoyable. It's just not 
Uh, it doesn't stand on its own as much as I'd want it to. You're turning into that guy. Gotta well, have something new, something unique. I just... <laughs> yeah. Let me put it this way. I'm not a change for change sake, guys. Guy. Uh, I'm, I'm also not a change for change sake, guys. <laughs> but I'm somebody who is absolutely willing to stand 100% behind change if it makes sense. Uh, so I'm I'm both ways. I don't just want to have you give me the same thing over and over again with a different band on it. I'd go to Rocky Patel. That was a low blow. I shouldn't have said that. But that was cruel. That was cruel. And it, and that's not the case. It's just it's kicking somebody that I shouldn't be kicking. But hey, just for the record, those caucus from Rocky Patel through Georgetown great Mac cigars, fantastic cigars. Yeah, great cigars. We need to make those a cigar of the week. I don't know why we haven't yet. Um, um, I, don't, I don't think I got any left. I'd have to get some more. <laughs> I definitely saved a few of them, so maybe I can send you some. Um, <laughs> Don in the chat room asked if the paint thinner was what masked the taste for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be. Maybe. You never know. Nope. Um, I just there should be a reason that you put a cigar out and I don't taste enough difference to get the reason for this one. Is that, is that overly mean? Am I going to get John Huber who sends me a death threat? I don't no. think so, but I don't think so either. I mean, there is a reason that cigar makers, including crowned heads, makes different kinds of cigars. Yeah. You make many kinds because there's many kinds of people. Hmm. And I, I am often a brand loyal guy, but not just for the sake of being brand loyal. It's just usually a Fuente, for example. I like the bulk of what they put out. That doesn't mean I like them all. In fact, that little Cuban Corona in their regular Chateau series, I don't care for that cigar at all. I, but, but I still love Fuente cigars, and it can be the same thing for Crown's Heads. You know, this is, I don't know that I would go drop down cash and buy a boatload of boxes of these things just because they're limited, but I don't mind having a couple around. I, I would take the four kicks over them, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I've beat this horse. It's dead. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, we ready to wrap this joker up. It's 1130. Let's do it. Well, once again, we've come to that special moment when we close the show out. And we thank you guys in the chat room and all of you out there listening to uh, downloaded podcast for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back next week with a guest, Robert Holt of Southern Draw Cigars, uh, which is a pretty cool pretty cool line that's come out. I'm anxious to, again, I've used the word anxious a lot tonight. I'm anticipating uh, hearing uh, your thoughts of this these cigars. There's a couple of different options he sent for us to try, and we're going to bring him on and talk about him and how he's involved and how much hands he has on the blending and whatnot, and uh, see where we go from there. We got uh, the quick draw from him and the kudzu. Kudzu is the bigger one of those two, just by the way. The uh, I've not smoked a kudzu yet, but the quick draw I smoked, I was more than impressed with. I really enjoyed it. 
But uh, so tune back in next week for episode 112 with uh, Robert Holt of Southern Draw Cigars. And in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us for comments, complaints, compliments, concerns, whatever you got, though, Mattis, you can get us at Craig at halfashed.com or Kip at halfashed.com. We uh, we love to hear from you, whatever you got, though, Mattis. And uh, if you got an unbanded suggestion, you can send that to info at halfashed.com, where my wife will take care of sourcing the cigars and unbanding them for us. And if you have a submission, you can get either myself or Craig at those first two email addresses, and we'll uh, connect you with an address to send them to. And, of course, you can always find us and whatever the latest updates are, uh, reviews, news, whatever, at halfash.com. And you can get us in the forum, which we highly encourage because we're digging the crap out of the forum. And you can get us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. We're, uh, we're pretty much out there. We're not too hard to find if you're so inclined. Well, I uh, I have had another. I've just had another great Friday night, man. I flip and love doing half ashed. Uh, I I gotta send a thank you out to everybody. Probably the biggest of which goes to my partner in crime, Kip. He uh, he does an awful lot for this show and a hell of a lot more than I do. So tonight's show goes out to him. I appreciate it very very much everything that you have done and everything that uh, we've got in the works for this summer and uh, everything that uh, will be going on short term long term the whole nine yards you demand kip couldn't do it without hey, you buddy for a couple of guys who only ever met each other once do pretty good <laughs> it's just so crazy uh it's always shocking to me to hear about it but also want to leave you all with uh this little ditty here so good night everybody I sincerely mean it when I say thanks for listening.